Hello and welcome to TV Dinner, the podcast where we take three bites out of a show and tell you how it tastes. I'm your host, Kalena. I'm your other host, Sean. And this week we're watching The Exorcist. I picked this one. You did pick this one, even though you know nothing about The Exorcist. I know negative somethings about The Exorcist. It seems like last month I picked a lot of stuff I didn't know about, and this month you picked a lot of stuff you don't know about. Well, I mean, that just goes to show which which genres are our fortes, you know? Fair enough. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. In fact, when we had a conversation about The Exorcist movie earlier today, uh, uh, you kept describing Poltergeist. Yeah, it became clear pretty much immediately I realized that uh, my entire life I've thought The Exorcist and Poltergeist were the same movie. <laughs> Um, when I was younger, my dad told me all the time that The Exorcist is the scariest movie of all time. Really? The Um, scariest? Which it probably was when it came out. Um, they had a lot of special effects and stuff. Um, though to be fair, before I saw The Exorcist, I saw, uh, let's say when I was like seven or eight, I saw like four minutes of the movie saw and had nightmares. Mm. I had nightmares about Chucky when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. All, I I just, I saw the teensiest bit of the saw movie and I was like, Nope. And I had nightmares and I hated it. And dad was like, Oh no, the exorcist is the scariest movie. And I was like, I cannot believe. And I saw the exorcist and to me, it wasn't as scary, but uh, when I was younger, everything was scarier, and I don't really get scared anymore. <laughs> hmm. I'm I'm pretty inexperienced with scary stuff. I don't like to indulge, so I don't have a... I haven't filled out my like familiarity and reactions to various scary stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I had to walk out of the movie Prometheus, but that's not a horror film. Uh, it's not, but, but the Alien films, the Alien franchise has got horror in it the other alien films i was fine with watching prometheus in particular just really fucked me up really more than yeah um, alien we can talk about specifics later but right that's not the (laughs) the thing we're here to talk about yeah but saw i was fine with the early films the later films at gore is a problem for me uh fair enough and the paranormal activity movies are mostly just really boring well, yeah, that is true. And that's something now that, like, gore doesn't really scare me anymore like it used to. Um, because it's just, like, it's not really horror to me. It's just, like, okay, whatever. It makes me really uncomfortable more than it and scares that's, me. That's what it's supposed to do, I think, is just, like, shock you and make you feel uncomfortable and make you feel grossed out. And that's why I'm like, this isn't really horror. This is just supposed to be gross uh yeah i don't really appreciate it um the exorcist uh i don't think they, they they're kind of since it was uh an older movie it's kind of more on the side of like uh, spooky although they do have some like gross scenes well limited special effects so you know they've got to microwave a bunch of bubble gum if they want to make something gross and do stuff like that <laughs> 
Yeah, you know what I'm referencing. Um, so the TV show only had two seasons before Fox canceled it. Oh, um, I didn't know it was canceled. Or I did and then I forgot. Right. Uh, but I've heard a lot of nebulous good things about it. Yeah, I actually haven't heard that much about it. Um, and, but it is fairly recent. I um, It was just canceled in May. Yes, fairly recent. Um, it was sort of an anthology. I paid closer attention this time because last time I was wrong. Um, and it was a season anthology, although the main characters, um, the I assume the exorcists, as Sean pointed out, the the um, the religious characters. They are the same through both seasons, but I think every other character changes. So I, mean, I guess it's two different exorcisms. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe there's three or four exorcisms. Blah, exorcisms in there. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking because it is anthology, it's probably one specific. Like, there might be more, like, side exorcisms, but there's going to be one, like, big exorcism between each season. Though I'm not sure. Me neither. I feel like we need a new word for shows like this than anthology. Why? I mean, it is an anthology. Unless you mean, like, shows that are that keep the same main characters and the story changes. Right. Because... I don't know. I just feel like it would be easier if there was a way for you to look up just the shows where it changed every episode. Right. Well, I mean, they're both anthologies if it changed, you know, between seasons or every episode. But I think this one's different because the story changes, but the main characters stay the same. Different stories, same dudes. Yeah, that's where I'm... Drawing a different line. Right, right, right. So... Uh, I'm not going to get too too deep into plot stuff. I kind of just want to go for it because I'm really... So The Exorcist, just to give you some detail, um, was a movie about a girl who was possessed by the devil. And they have to get some priests in to exorcise her. And there was uh, absolutely no Indian burial ground or staticky TV involved. <laughs> no. No, those are a different kind of spooks <laughs> all right um god damn it but yeah so i just like scream i'm interested in how they're going to stretch this out mm-hmm. um uh-huh. i really liked the scream tv show and again i like went into that one going i have no idea how they're gonna make this more than like an hour and a half and they did it so yeah so i i i'm pretty hopeful I find that I usually prefer narratives that have been decompressed. That's just me, yeah. though. I know that you tend to like more compressed narratives. Well, um, so something like this, where you get a full story over over ten episodes, yeah. ten, I assume, hour-long episodes, I'm okay with that. I was going to say that this is a, this is a strong middle ground that we both enjoy, I think. Uh, right this type of uh what's the word format Mm -hmm. which we probably should have come to that conclusion earlier in this podcast (laughs) right also just thinking about this 
series makes me itch to go watch more Castle Rock. Oh yeah, yeah. have you watched any more of that? No, I'm not going to watch it without you. Uh, As long as you don't watch it without me. (laughs) Anyways, so Catholics, right? Catholics, yes. Um, So the three main characters are, or I assume the three main characters, since they stay the same between the seasons, Uh are Father Ortega, Father Keen, and Father Bennett. And then there's also... um, a non-main character who is in both seasons, who is uh, Cardinal Guillot, Guillot, um, and that's a cardinal. I guess a person that the fathers like go to for help sometimes. Uh huh. I don't know much about um, Catholicism. Cardinals are are higher in rank, but I, I know generally what an exorcism is. Uh, I've seen some funny ones. Oh, yeah? Uh, like yeah. IRL? No, not IRL. <laughs> uh, I've watched uh, videos and listened to accounts of people, uh, skeptics, uh, who have gone to and observed the proceedings and have tried to analyze what the fuck is actually happening. Fair enough. Uh, uh, it, it's It's widely believed that uh, old-fashioned exorcisms were performed on mentally ill people mm-hmm. and uh, didn't work. Yeah, generally. <laughs> Just, yeah. We need to combat your mental illness with religion. Right, basically. Well, because they didn't, they didn't know nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so you ready to get into it? Yeah. By, by the command of this higher power, may this show commence. <laughs> Get out of here, demons. Bon appetit, demons. <laughs> <laughs> Horny boys. And we're back. Yeah. So... That was a show. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, were you spooked by the show? A little, yeah. There's definitely some spooky and creepy stuff in there. Uh, more so than anything else we've watched so far? I think so. At least this year. I can't think of anything last year that was scarier, actually. Yeah, honestly, I think of, of any show we've watched, like, total so far, this is the scariest. Hmm makes me wonder a little bit if you've been throwing softballs at me because you know how I feel about horror. Well, you did pick this one. Oh. Hmm. Remember? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, the um maybe that we'll save the ones you wanted to pick for next year, which was oh, the funny ones. Oh yeah. <laughs> Man, I forgot all about that. But, but yeah, you definitely you did this to yourself. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed it. I like spooky things. So I thought the spooks were pretty fun. I was like sitting in the dark. I've got like a little garland of 
of skull lights above my computer, and I was just like having a grand old time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think that um, maybe glowing orange skulls are not the scariest thing to have in the corner of your eye when you're watching The Exorcist. <laughs> yeah, maybe in some way it helped. They're like my my companions that that won't let me be spooked. They're like, we're here for you, Kalena. Uh. <laughs> or is that worse? Uh, I I resent it. <laughs> I wish I had spooky friends. <laughs> Good spooky friends. Uh-huh. But yeah, like, there's generally, like, a couple of things that are gonna massively creep me out beyond anything else, and that's, uh... There, there was a lot of uh, this... um, animal horror. Uh, so, like... But the thing that... I would have been more scared if the CGI was better. With the crow and the rat? Yeah, because... Uh, though it wasn't bad. I just, like, was keenly aware that it was fake. Which isn't good if you want to yeah. be scared. The... Uh, effects with the centipedes were a lot that was a lot creepier that was a lot yeah they bothered me a lot more um them and the salesman i think yeah Um, the salesman was definitely the spookiest part um which for all of you out there in the podcast sphere who don't know the salesman is the name of a specific demon (laughs) yeah um that's the demon that's haunting so in the first episode, they try to trick you and make you think that... So there's this family, and the mom is like, I think my my daughter was in a car accident, and I think she's haunted. Um, mm-hmm. And they make you think it's her, because she's the one that's acting all gloomy and everything, but it's actually the younger sister who's the possessed one, because she's mm-hmm. basically just super jealous of her older sister getting attention or whatever. Um, it's, it's unclear right now. Again, I so they basically make it seem like Casey is opening herself up to this demon because he's telling her stuff she's never felt before, like you're you're worthy of attention and you're beautiful and this and that. And I'm like, if they really wanted the audience to believe that she never that no one ever told her that before, they should have made her look different. (laughs) She's like an extremely attractive person. It's fair that that people have low self-esteem and stuff. This, I don't know that anyone, I don't know that this character would be as looked over as they're trying to make us think she is. Yeah, it's a a little weird. Um, Like the one time she gets attention is in the third episode where she's being sexually harassed. And I'm like, literally no one, like, I don't think people would be as, as bleh about her as the show is trying to make us believe. I don't know, it's hard for me to say i get what you're where you're coming from because it's television and everybody uh is very what's the word unless it's like we need you to be a hobo right everyone's above average yeah it could come across as uh pretty shallow if they don't do anything to develop it over time if there's no twists listen Listen, listen, listen. If we're talking about 
who's attractive. Um, <laughs> we're talking about it's Father Tomas. We're talking about Alfonso Herrera. He is possibly the most attractive person on television. Like, right. So we we were watching, and I'm like, I definitely recognize his face. So I looked it up, and he's in a lot of um, like Hispanic media. But he was was what's the that one character? He's that one character's boyfriend. He he was um. Okay, I'm completely blanking on his boyfriend's name, but he was Hernando in Sense8. (laughs) And I was like, oh, hell yeah. Back again. (laughs) (laughs) He he was just... uh, I'm definitely primed to think about him in that way because uh, he was so sexy and funny in that show. Yeah, and, and he's... It's really weird seeing, I guess, the difference between how he acts in that show and this show. Yeah, but he's still a hot priest, which is... No, I mean, it is also, like, specifically stated that, like, if he wasn't a priest, he would be getting laid. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) But he's like, no, I must keep my vows because I'm a devout Catholic or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the the difference between the way he acts in that show and the way he acts in this show, like the characters, like mm-hmm. Hernando's just like this cute, silly, like hot boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And in this one, he's like very serious, very devout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very hetero. <laughs> Not gay anymore. Mm-hmm. As far as we're aware. He's so tortured. So tortured about this girl. But it's, it's again like if you see a care if you see an actor in two separate roles like that, it, I think it's really, and they do well in both roles, then it's like oh damn, you're yeah. good at your job. Yeah, in fact, both of our main characters are extremely good actors. They go through like a really full range of emotions in these three episodes, uh, and it helps that I'd seen them both in very different things before because oh, yeah. I'd what seen. Was- yeah, I'd seen um, Father Tomas's actor in Sensei, and I'd seen Father Marcus's actor in Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he was in. <laughs> yeah, as a general and an X-Wing pilot. I saw him get in an X-Wing and be like, hee hee hee, I'm in an X-Wing. <laughs> and be like, oh, this is so exciting in the behind the scenes. So it's like, now it's like, you're a very serious guy, but also... You are an actor. You're an, an X-Wing. The, there's one thing I wrote down as um, something that I really like in shows that no show ever does. Um, that this one did in the second ass episode. Mm-hmm. That I think uh, stuff like this really gets across both the direness of the situation and also just the... I I think even like the strength, the like emotional resiliency is when you see manly men cry <laughs> and not like a single tear down the cheek, like actual crying. Like, so, so father Keen, Marcus Keen in the second episode, he comes in and Tomas is like, you're, uh, uh, you don't even know what you're doing. Just leave. And, and Keen just starts crying. Like, like this is my life's purpose. I need to do this. And yeah, he cries I'm as like, he relates. And, and like, I don't want, I don't want the demons to like, you know, <laughs> wreck this poor family. 
Yeah. And you really feel like, oh shit, this is serious. Yeah. He, he cries as he relates the whole, like, being one with God, seeing God's face, and how that is something that he, happened to him in exorcism. Right, and how that's, like, that's what gave him his purpose, was, like, seeing God, and it's like, ah, damn, I'm, I feel so emotional about this fake TV <laughs> <laughs> Kalena. <laughs> it's fake. That's everything we watch. <laughs> I know. But, you know, you don't normally, like, watch something like that and go, ah, my feelings. Okay, you don't? No. Okay, I mostly watch TV to feel things. <laughs> Not that I don't feel things outside of when I'm watching TV. <laughs> Oops. But I do mostly watch TV to feel emotions extra yeah extra um, from what's in my life i'm just saying more tv shows should have men crying mm -hmm. that's true a good way to get you to care about a male character is just to have them cry yeah this is why i love my hero academia so much mm -hmm. every <laughs> oh boy, goddamn episode cries so much huh. <laughs> but uh yeah so uh, these mean noir streets are full of uh, petty and snide demons who are here to make a scene and to have you bad have a bad time. Uh, so right, and and there's something in this show. So it is, you know, obviously heavily related to the movie. Mm -hmm. um, but they are upping the stakes, as we've heard in the third episode at the end. Yeah, there's a lot of demons here. Right, so there are, like, way more demons than normal, and one thing that Father Keen says is, uh, they're communicating, which they've never done before. They're, like, organizing. Yeah, the the scene where, like, a whole street of people were gutted by a bunch of people possessed by demons uh, was extremely unsettling, extremely... Yes. Ugh. And you just see demons, like, or people possessed by demons, but at this point, they're just the demon. Yeah. Just, like, coming out of homes with coolers for, full of organs. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the coolers full of organs are stated, like, pretty exclusively to be like, hey, this is for summoning a bunch of demons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Father Keen is talking to Father Bennett, who is, like, kind of an adversary of his, but kind of a friend. Um, it's like, and, it's more like... like yeah, they need organs to summon a demon. And the dude's like, they don't need that many organs. And he was like, what if they're summoning more than one? Right. Um, like, ah, shit. Basically, it's like... Father Bennett is uh, straight-laced. He's got responsibilities. He's organizational. He's connected to uh, organizing for the Pope coming to town. and well, he's the Cardinal. Very... Oh, well, the cardinal, whatever. Uh, I thought it was the pope. No, that was the guy he was sitting next to he was translating for. No, no, but the pope is coming. Oh, is he? I thought it was just like, oh, the cardinal's here and we need to impress him. The cardinal is here to prepare for the pope coming. Okay. And Bennett is deeply involved in that. He's, and he He's very knows... involved in the, like, logistics of the church. But he's also deeply involved in the whole, like, yeah, I know about the dark corners and the exorcism stuff. Uh, so he's, like, the most, like, uh, he's sort of, like, the face of 
Rome in the show organization wise. So he is the, the he is the man uh, and uh, Marcus is the cop who won't play by the rules. <laughs> yeah. And and um, Marcus. I mean, he is, I think. Very invested. It's not like I don't play by the rules because I I'm selfish asshole, you know, Mm hmm. He's like, no, this is the way to help them, and I'm not gonna let you fucking stop me. <laughs> You're a loose cannon, Marcus. Turn in your collar and your magic powers. <laughs> yeah, so in the third episode? No, the... Yeah. Yes? If you're talking about when he is talking to the possessed lady on the street, that was episode two. Okay, yeah. So he... he is hanging out with a demon or whatever. And yeah, this is before he realizes they're organizing because, you know, they, they are talking about each other. The demons, the one demon that he finds on the street is like, Hey, I know about Gabriel. And when he's talking to the demon and Casey, the girl, um, he's like, Oh yeah, I know that guy, but I'm not him. Um, the Baptist. Yeah, the Baptist was the demon that was in the Gabriel. child in the first, yeah. the first episode. Which is an interesting name for a demon, but apparently he specifically uh, he specifically knows Marcus has some beef with Marcus. Yes. Uh, and uh, other demons know about and maybe even admire him. Right, exactly. And so all, all the demons, I guess, have names that are... Not name names, or at least those aren't the names they're revealing. Yeah, they might have like, yeah, they might have like demon names, but they have code names too. It's probably not really good luck to say demon names. Well, it's, it's probably a true name situation where if you can find out their name, you have power over them. So they're like, no, I'm the salesman. Yeah. Presumably you gotta be a badass demon to get a name like the bat, the Baptist. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, al- I almost said you gotta be a badass demon to get the name the badass. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, oh, but that's incorrect. Mm-mm. So, uh... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, he, he confronts this demon, and he tries to do his, like, normal thing, and, uh, you know, excommunicate it, and, or... <laughs> I said the word that I was going to say in the next sentence he was going to exercise it and he can't and then he finds out he's been excommunicated and that's why he doesn't have his god power anymore no no god power in the body (laughs) (laughs) no the church has has forsaken you and you can't uh, exercise anymore yeah but using your stairmaster yeah but he's here and he's invested in the problem and meanwhile tomas you know, while he might not be like the perfect priest, he's also apparently kind of like the rising star. He's going to places that uh, really need his help. Got very devout, but poor people. Um, and so Tomas, you know, he, <laughs> you know, like like in his uh, original sermon about Peter walking on the water. God has placed a job in front of him for him to do, uh, and he has been given those dreams about uh, the last exorcism that uh, Father Marcus performed. He goes, he knows things, he's 
connected to this family. He's been convinced that God wants him specifically to help this family. Yeah, it is also vague on that. So he has been having these weird dreams and and he's been told uh, supposedly out of nowhere where Father Marcus is. And, you know, he didn't tell anybody about the dreams or about Father Marcus. And though it is kind of implying that the demons are steering him towards this for some reason. Are you sure about that? Because I don't see any evidence that prove that, um, I see no evidence to persuade me that he is being manipulated by demons. So in the second episode, when he goes to find Father Marcus, he goes to St. Aquinas, which is where they put priests out to pasture, quote unquote. Hmm. Um, and so he, he like sees this old man chilling and he's got those dark sunglasses that make you think he's blind. But the old man's like, no, I see you. I got you. Mm. And Tomas is talking to him and the guy immediately knows his name and is like, oh, you're famous. Everyone thinks you're doing a really good job. He's famous like in this area of Catholicism just because he's kind of saved this dying parish. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, the guy is like, you know, God has has called you to do a task and you should do it. And basically the guy is like, ask god what to do mm-hmm. and tomas walks away and you see the guy is implied to have been possessed yeah i believe you looked away but the guy takes off his sunglasses and uh one of the trademarks of demons in this is that sometimes they have double, like two iris, double irises double irises yeah and this guy has double irises in his right eye after he takes his sunglasses off right and that is, like, I think very, very much like, oh, if this guy's a demon, then somehow they are pushing Tomas to to do this, and I don't know why. That's true. Even uh, the, the dad of the family, Henry, w- while he's in a state, tells Tomas to go seek Marcus. Right, and so that was the point where Marcus hadn't, or where Tomas hadn't told anybody about his dreams, and the dad, who is, who has had a uh, a brain injury um, who is like sometimes lucid sometimes not goes into it seems like he's lucid and he tells Tomas out of nowhere okay go to St. Aquinas that's where Marcus is um, and then he like goes back into like a non-lucid state and, and then like, he's like okay yeah are you also possessed it's a, a little unclear right now um, there is A surprising amount of mysteries in the plot. It's not that straightforward. Well, that's what I was kind of worried, you know, on on this long form where you, you know, stretch out to 10 10 to 15 hours, a movie that was an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. You you wonder how they're going to pad it out. And in this one, they're just like upping the stakes immediately. Mm. Um, while, While still slowing down the like storytelling and the character building. So I think Casey doesn't really get fully possessed until the end of the third episode. She's only like partially possessed because in the first two episodes, she doesn't know that anything is wrong with her. She's definitely legit possessed. But uh, if, if we listen to how Marcus states his case, basically the demon is like playing possum and gathering its strength before it does shit like 
at the end of episode three. It just like fucking mutilates a dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the second episode, Marcus tells the demon like, "You think you know, or you have her think that you've got the power when that's not true." But I guess that might lead up to a sort of thing where like it, it comes down to Casey wanting to get rid of the demon. Because in episode three, again, it's very heavily like Casey doesn't feel loved or beautiful or looked at. And that's why she fully commits to the demon. Mm. Unclear, but yeah, I mean, she definitely lets him in. It's not like a and I think the episode is called Let Me In. Mm -hmm. She that the last the end of the episode, she definitely is like, all right, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's a problem yeah um so it is very this version of demon possession is very uncomfy because it is very uh like grooming mm, yeah exactly in the, in the, like, so predator the sexual predator way yeah which is probably the most uh horrifying and unsettling part of the show right because the salesman we don't know what he actually looks like because he's a demon, but he appears to Casey as just like an old man. Mm-hmm. And Marcus finds out that he kind of got in contact with her by giving her a gift. Or or that or, was a separate event. Yeah, that was an event we didn't see that Marcus kind of susses out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like it's like, oh, he gave you this gift and he's telling you all these things you want to hear but he's just going to use you. And I'm like, this is, yeah, definitely the most uncomfortable part. Mm-hmm. So, we've got Marcus and Tomas, and the two of them, you've got Marcus, he's got all the exorcism talent, but also he's been excommunicated. And you've got <laughs> Marcus Tomas. Is, Marcus is, is the, the loose cannon, and Tomas is the, the young hopeful. Yeah, he he's the rising star. He's got he's not even got no experience though. So uh, maybe the two of them together <laughs> can make a single good exorcist. One full priest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, definitely like demons are. <laughs> Like, they're, like, sinful in every way, of course, so they can be, uh, their pride can be wounded, they can be incited to be wrathful just by, like, petty human insults and humans, uh, of course, uh, of course they're interested in in messing with humans in petty ways, because they're, like, literally the worst in every way. kind of their thing, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, is frankly a mistake if they can't be above it all. I mean, that's why they're demons, though, right? Exactly. I mean, it's a mistake on their part. It's a weakness of theirs. Right. Which, I mean, they need to have some weakness if, you know, they're supernatural, possessing people, committing those murders and shit, giving people uh, telekinesis. (laughs) OP, I think. OP, please nerf. Yeah. (laughs) Huh. Um, But yeah. Uh, um, and and in the first episode, so we were talking about the demons organizing. In the first episode, Casey, in her like semi-possessed state, says about rats, where there's one, there's a bunch. Mm-hmm. 
And that's where I was like, what I thought that was indicating was, oh, this whole family is going to get possessed. Not there's a bunch of possessions throughout all of Chicago, apparently. Yeah. What, what it, it was actually indicating is that, oh, there are a, a lot of us and we know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and th- th- definitely they probably... <clears throat> they may or may not be planning, you know, uh, to... T- Kill the Pope or something? I mean, the Pope is coming, so. Yeah. Um, the, I don't the, know. I think they're just, I think at this point, they are just planning to become a more powerful presence in the world. Yeah, but it's also suggested that, uh, I mean, that might be their genuine end goal, but it said essentially through the conversations of like Bennett with Marcus. Um, so the, Demons are organized here. Demons are going to summon more demons here. Uh, the Pope is coming. Uh, the church may or may not have demons in it. Uh, infiltrated. Uh, and the Pope is a good man, and if he dies, it will affect the balance of good oh, and evil yeah. in the world. He did say that. He did say, like, oh, if the Pope dies, some shit's going to go down Right, um, so I think that definitely you can connect all of those things into a demon plot. Well, which is like, I guess it makes sense in in an exorcism style plot where like, since the Catholic Church is kind of, at least at this point, seems to be the only power that can make demons stop. Yeah, there's um, no, um, there's no uh, <laughs> inclusivity of other religions in this uh, premise. Right. Well, that's what, again, like, Marcus loses his powers when he gets excommunicated. So at this point, like, as far as we know, you have to be, like, in with the Catholic Church. And so it would make sense that, like, oh, the Pope dying would make them, at least demons, freer to do what they want. <laughs> when in real history, a Pope is a Pope is a Pope is well, a Pope. Well, that's what I mean, like, what they do them... when a Pope dies is make a new Pope. Yeah, most Popes are nasty dudes. But no, but what I mean is, like, it, if, when a pope dies, it's not like, haha, demons have free reign. It's like, all right, who's the next pope? Uh, I don't think anyone would agree with you that it's like, ah, oh, well, the pope's just a replaceable figurehead. He is. <laughs> the Catholics wouldn't agree. He, he, that's literally, do you think the pope is like Santa? Like, he's the same person that he was 200 years ago? No, I'm not. I'm saying that in the Catholic doctrine, the Pope is the guy who talks to God and is the connection between mortals and God. Yeah, so but what if, I, but yeah, so, but like, yeah, they yeah, don't just it, like, the Pope is reborn or whatever the fuck. In real life and in this show, yeah, when the Pope dies, you get a replacement. Um, in, of course, like the doctrine and stuff, though, he's pretty important and the show does seem to be following the doctrine like it's one thing for a pope to pass it's another thing for the fucking demons to get him uh and if if bennett has to clarify that this pope is a good man then maybe he's accepting that not all popes are good and genuine fair enough it's uh, i cannot say with certainty i do not have an abundance of evidence but (laughs) this is what i have put together so far um and another thing is that Considering all of the other, like, very traditional roles this show is taking, 
it also seems that they are very taking a very traditional viewpoint on just like evil as far as like all evil stems from demons <laughs> so like before casey gets fully possessed the salesman a- approaches her and is like you need this dress and she's like it's fucking three thousand dollars and he's like fucking put it in your bag demons are (laughs) even responsible for shoplifting right like and that's not even like a particularly demonic thing it's just like oh this this spoiled white girl is stealing because she wants a dress that she can't afford Mm -hmm. but yeah but it's like very traditional on like no all evil is demon based yeah in real life in real life uh, it is a weakness in your character or the extremity of the situation that pushes you to do something uh, morally wrong. Right. Uh, in uh, in a in a demon focused uh, <laughs> a presentation of evil, it is a a a weakness of character that opens you up to the voice of the devil who will convince you to do something wrong. Because it it, uh, it kind of, it, it both, it kind of takes away the power from the person doing the evil while also saying, well, you're too weak to say no to the demon. So you fucked up. Hmm. Yeah. It's simultaneously. You are responsible for the evil you do, but also, hey, you're a child of God and you're good and you want to do good, right? And we right. should... Um, I'm sorry, I'm not an expert. No, but I, I know what you mean. Right. Uh, it's a, a, a complicated thing to talk about, but, like, I, I get it. Yeah. Like, like, I get why it's important for... There's a sort of, like, A, B, culpability, but B, B, openness for forgiveness. Yes. Where it's like, um, yeah, I let myself, I opened myself up to demons, but you know I don't want to do bad, right? That was just, that yeah, wasn't me. It reminds me of the conversation in the show about um, the demons are a metaphor of the church to explain things like mental illness and evils. Um, oh yeah, they, so, it's it's weird because I think in The Exorcist, the movie, they were like, you know, exorcisms aren't really performed anymore. Just, like, mm-hmm. take your kid to a site. They took her in the movie to a, quote-unquote, parapsychologist, I think. No, that's what... Okay, actually, I am conflating. I read... So I was looking up The Exorcist, because... Okay, know, yeah, is that what we want to cover now? I, I'm not going to, like, go through it, but it is based on a book, which is based on a real-life event that happened in 1949. Are you going to um, hit the highlights? If you want to read exactly what i've read about this go to wikipedia and look up the exorcism of roland doe which is a a pseudonym it's not a real it's not we don't know the real person's name the person's name they didn't go that far um but it was a 14 year old boy who went to a parapsychologist who was like yeah he's definitely possessed Mm -hmm. and and that was kind of the thing that kick-started uh, this whole exorcism of this real life human being. Mm-hmm. Um, parapsychologists are bullshit. It's 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 like psychics. Paranormal psychology, therefore, you know, the spiritual and psychic stuff. Yeah. So it's well, para means like around. So it's like 
not accepted psychology. There's like the circle of psychology and then parapsychology, which encompasses like telekinesis and stuff. So this real life person went to a parapsychologist and she was like, yeah, I saw him move furniture and I heard voices and this child is definitely fucking possessed, which led to the real exorcism of the child. And I think he died. Hmm. I'm not an exorcist, but I'm going to beat the demon out of him. But like the people who there's one dude, I think who one of the dudes who either performed the exorcism or like just was around Mm-hmm. Uh, went on record say <laughs> quote uh, I can't go on record I never made an absolute statement about things because I didn't feel qualified so basically he is absolving himself of all culpability <laughs> I'm not qualified he was like I never said that boy was possessed I wasn't qualified I would never say that I still am not qualified and did perform that exorcism <laughs> I mean, how in what world is that not just a confession? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's just weird. Um, mm. So that's what I was thinking. But in the movie, they don't really say... They don't go along quite modern lines, although it is a mo- takes place in the modern world. They mm. don't say, we don't perform exorcisms anymore because we know that's bullshit. They, like, are explicitly, like, we know you need an exorcism, but no. Hmm. (laughs) So that's something that's kind of a little different from, from, I think, any other exorcism media that takes place in the modern day. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, usually it's, it's some guy way out of left field that's like, you need an exorcism, and everyone else is like, stop. Yeah, but this is, like, straight up the Catholic priest's. Yeah, like, all the Catholic priests are like, yeah, yeah, I mean, something's definitely wrong. Hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Rating. Rating. Oh. I mean, you're not going to give it a savory, because if you think it's that good, you're going to give it a spicy, because you hate spooks. Oh, I hate spooks. But is it is it up to spicy level, in that case, or do you think it's not quite that good? I will say... All of the acting is very good. Yeah, all the acting was good and stuff. I definitely wasn't disappointed or let down by the show, Mm -hmm. so I can't give it bitter or sour. Um, You don't think uh, there are things they did bad they could have done better that would have given it a sour rating? Um... I don't know. While there are definitely minor elements of the show that may like slightly leave me like not not like wigged out but like leave me like wigged out yeah not that's not what i mean (laughs) i mean scenes that may leave me like wondering at like the potential like implications of the scene Mm -hmm. uh, in other ways uh well there's definitely stuff like that Uh, there's nothing that i can say without watching more of the show and like uh, doing like a critical analysis of it that is like uh this that is like i can't condemn this show in any way for disappointing me by presenting uh any like anything that i think is like a harmful worldview right or like I, a, a really unfortunate implication i i think everything that is uncomfortable in the show like we talked about the whole 
kind of grooming aspect of the demon is purposeful. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything. I don't think anything was like bad that was either accidentally bad or or reflected yeah. like a real life opinion of somebody. Yeah, but I think that a lot of the content of the show, especially the grooming, could be potentially very. I mean, it Not, could potentially be extremely upsetting for people. Yeah, I agree. And again, they're like, there's the animal horror, which, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I don't know how realistic it was in Castle Rock. Because I, I definitely averted my eyes when they showed the dead dog. Yeah. Um. It was, I guess you would say it was more realistic because it's not like very obviously moving cgi that's fair it's probably a lot easier to create because they probably did it like physically rather than cgi it appeared to me to be a physical object and it was entirely still uh, which could potentially look more realistic and in that way be more upsetting but it is definitely not moving at all so you could some people might just view it as uh, some people might just view it as an object and not be unsettled by that image at all, so I wouldn't right. really know how to compare these two things. Right, but in this one, whereas the animals maybe look a little less realistic, they are still, like, in pain. Hmm. Yeah, uh, and that could potentially be more upsetting. Yeah, so definitely, I wouldn't give this, I wouldn't give this more more than a spicy. Because I think you definitely have to look at the elements of this show and go, is this something... Yeah, is Am this I a con- horror fan, first of all? And is this content, like, appropriate for me personally, or yeah. am I going is, to is find this, it too upsetting? Right, is this something that I am okay with seeing? And if yeah. that's a no, then get out of there. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I have noted about this show, because uh, I didn't look up episode summaries or something, but I do have this little chart. Um, the director and the writer changes, like, almost every episode. Yeah, I actually um, did note that while when I was looking up in the first half of this episode, whether or not it was a series anthology or an episode anthology, mm-hmm. um, I was at first leaning towards episode because every episode is directed by a different person. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then I, I saw that like, oh, the characters stay consistent throughout the episodes. But I yeah, it's definitely very weird where it's like, they seem so cohesive. <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I can state more than that other than like I'm surprised. Uh especially that the guy who I believe is like the main writer or head writer, Jeremy Slater, mm-hmm. is only actually listed in the writing credits for the first and the the tenth episode and as a co writer of the ninth episode. Yeah, so So just the first and last and the the half of the penultimate. It feels like there must have been some sort of uh, producer or something that had a guiding hand that kept everything cohesive. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Because but... none of the episodes, at least in the first, you know, third of the show, seem out of place. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, this directing style is obviously very different from this one. Yeah. No, I mean, Jeremy Slater, I think, yeah, I think that he wrote the first and last episode uh, it was the, like, was, like, probably the head of the executive producers, because mm-hmm. um, there's, like, a long list of that, uh, and he's listed as the creator of the series. 
So he probably had a, a pretty uh, a, a guiding force. Yeah. Uh, but... I mean, like, his recent, like, movie work is, like, 2015's Fantastic Four and the, oh. the recent movie adaptation of Death Note. Good. Things that are that are widely accepted as bad. Yeah, so, hmm. It's interesting weird. that this is so good. Yeah, his filmography case. is relatively short and started in 2015. Yeah, so he's... I, I guess maybe this is more in his wheelhouse. Maybe he started like, oh, I'm going to write a superhero movie because I think I'd do good at it. But maybe those things are were considered bad because that just like wasn't something that he actually likes to write. Maybe this is maybe this is his wheelhouse. Mm, yeah, maybe. Huh. At least it seems that way. It seems that way. There is like, I, I'm always hesitant to be like, and this is the like wonderful work of the creator because oftentimes, uh, in many works, you can't say that it is the sole creation of the like right. the, of the like prime name, the guy who is listed as the creator, because it's often especially something like this where not only are there multiple writers and multiple directors, but like also if the actors were less good, it would be less good. Yeah, and how much of the writing is being elevated by the actors? Yeah. Uh, so it's a complicated thing, um, but damn, are these actors good? They're so good. <laughs> They're so goddamn good. There's there's not a single actor that I I don't believe in this universe. No. Um, except for the bit of, at the beginning about like someone has to have looked at Casey can't be this overlooked. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a problem with the actors that's, though. That's not her fault. That is no. just the fault of my perception of this of this world. It's a very subjective problem. Yes. All right. Um, yeah, so, so I think we're agreeing on spicy. Spicy, for sure. Yeah. I really liked it, but there are definitely some people that I wouldn't recommend this to, just yeah. because of the content. So that's three uh, Spooktober shows. Blah, blah, blah. So that's three Spooktober shows down and one to go, right? And the last one's your no, pick. No, that's four down. What the shit? We're already done. There are five weeks this month. Do you not remember how excited I was about that? Oh yeah! God <laughs> damn, I'm dumb. All right, so that's four weeks down. The last one to go, and it's your pick. Yeah, um, it was my pick. I picked Channel Zero, which is apparently American Horror Story style spooky show, but created by Sci-Fi. And mm -hmm. Sci-Fi, in my opinion, uh. No, if I love sci-fi shows, but they don't like do great work. <laughs> Where are, isn't sci-fi like the singularly responsible for Sharknado? Yeah, I fucking hate that series. <laughs> it's I it's I know it's supposed to be bad. That doesn't make me hate it any less. I mean, there are some <laughs> people who like they hate watching like five out of ten, six out of ten movies, and they love watching two out of ten, three out of ten movies. I like watching bad movies is the thing. I fucking hate Sharknado. Alright. It's a very... But they also created Eureka, which was a good show, and they created... Uh, oh, gosh. What was that show I tried to get you to watch that you didn't want to watch that I liked? I mean, that's a lot of shows. No, it was the one that started with an amnesia plot, and you were like, I can't get into this because I hate amnesia plots. It's like 
It's like Sorry. dark hole or something. Oh, dark matter? Dark matter. Ah. <laughs> uh. I, it wasn't because of the amnesia that I couldn't get into it. It just didn't jive with me in general. Yeah, but again, like shows that may or may not be cons- in general, their shows are considered not good. Uh huh. So I'm interested because I've heard good things about Channel Zero. Yeah, so I-, I have no idea what to expect from a show titled Channel Zero, anyways. Yeah, so I'm interested. Um, on that note, come. Uh, listen to us and Spooktober next week. That will end this weekly releasing. Oh, God. I'm was... looking forward to getting to some lighthearted shows. Yeah. I I had a lot of fun these past two months. I like doing weekly episodes, although we had to kind of go ahead because, spoiler alert, this episode is being released uh, while I'm not even in the country, so... <laughs> <laughs> these episodes have a mind of their own. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. it was interesting, nice, and more than a little bit stressful to <laughs> record more often and to put out weekly episodes and to get like a backlog going and not have to uh, just think about it. Uh, week or, like, to week. Right before- yeah, week to week. That's the word. We've definitely, back when we were on a weekly schedule, we definitely sometimes would record like on Monday to release on Tuesday. That's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It happens. <laughs> but yeah, so it's been fun. It's been interesting kind of doing the weekly again after having done this for a year. So we're kind of better at it, but also the episodes are way longer now. Mm. Um, but yeah, so if you've been enjoying Superhero September and Spooktober, you should let us know on Facebook at tvd podcast or on uh twitter at tvd pod or on tumblr at also tvd podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have an email tvd podcast at gmail.com and one more thing you should go so we had our guests last week um david and diana from macintosh and mod you should definitely go check out if you haven't already uh, macintosh and mod haven't seen what because we are on their show this week talking about scream 2 don't bother listening to their podcast for anything other than our guest that's, spot. That, no, that's why I said if you haven't already, because it's, it's probably <laughs> true that people are coming to our podcast from theirs rather than the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, significantly more likely. Um, but we're all over there, so you should go check it out. Anyway, it's been a great Spooktober. One week left. Hell yeah. And I'm back hell. to our regular biweekly schedule. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. Bye.